Hello, you're listening to the Session 6 Sport Performance Podcast powered by Weight Endurance. I'm your host, Cody Weight, and I'm sitting here with my co-host and lovely wife, Kathy Waite. Hello, everyone. And we're back with our fourth episode of our podcast series um, surrounding our base builder, upcoming base builder um, 2020 training series. Um, this episode, episode four, we want to kind of get the, the big picture, expanded view of what our base builder program is all about. So those of you listening that have already signed up, whether it's in-house or following our remote program, um, this will serve as a good um, kind of primer on what you're kind of in for for this upcoming season. And then those of you that maybe have no idea what we're talking about when we say base builder, maybe you'll you know hear something that sounds interesting and consider joining us. Um, or and or you know just gaining some additional insights from experienced coaches and uh, how we kind of go about doing like base training, kind of that off season time of the year base training. We'll discuss that in this episode. But before we dive into that, um, we had Leadville 100 last weekend. Um, this is as of right now we're yeah mid August. So last weekend was um, Leadville 100. We had a handful of our in-house base builder athletes uh, participating in the event and did really well. And Kathy will kind of cover some of what they did. And then we also had. Um, a handful of remote base builder athletes that joined us for our inaugural base remote base builder program last year um, that did fairly well um, as well. So let's dig into that. I know you you um, have had some well, yes, data I love the event. To share. I love the event so much. Um, this was the third year that I was your support crew along with our girls, the sixteen year old twins. And we had a master plan that worked pretty well of driving from feed zone to feed zone and, and catching you just at the right time. And it was so fun because you get to see a lot of the race unfolding in front of you. Um, so we were supporting you primarily, but we got to cheer for the other Session 6 athletes. And we definitely want to brag about them yeah. because they did so well. We'll start with Mr. Rob Ford. He had the most improved award. With a 75-minute PR. Yeah, that's crazy. That's so fun. Um, his time this year was 8.54, so solidly under... Under nine. Under nine, big so buckle. he gets the big buckle. And yeah, he was beaming from year to year at the end of the race, even though I know he was exhausted. Um, and he was really, really proud of himself. And also, I think, thrilled to see that uh, devoted, consistent training with us over the year paid off. I mean, it paid off big time for him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 75 minutes is like, that's just incredible. Yeah, so it was cool. so fun. Proud of him. And um, let's see, who was next? Um, Carlos. Carlos, Carlos Pereira, he has trained with us for a few years, and he still had a 20-minute PR, even though this was, yeah. uh, I think it was like the third time for him to do the race. I could be wrong there, but he did amazing. He paced himself really well. Um, Came in right at eight, eight hours. Eight hours, like yeah. almost on the dot. And, um, yeah, he looked good. He looked solid at the end, and he was also very proud of himself, as yeah. were we. Yeah, he did a great job. And then we had two first-timers uh, do the race. Tom Miser, who is one of our We Devo coaches, and We Devo is our um, youth development team, our elite mountain bike team, if you aren't aware of, of that term, We Devo. And, um, yeah, he, he did 8.03 and, and change. First time ever tackling this big race. 
he hadn't really had the time the summer to put in the long miles. He's a devoted family guy and oh my gosh, he was he was like up in Montana for 10 days with his youngest son at a Boy Scout camp. No bike riding there. That's a huge loss of uh, fitness time. Um, But he just has that what we call old man fitness. Yeah. Um, from years and years of training hard in his earlier... He's got in the bank, yeah, yeah when he was in his 20s. And, yeah. and he's a fighter. Like, he said he had cramps before he even started up Columbine, and yet just dug deep. And 803 on, on his first time, that's incredible. Yeah. And what's funny, too, is I think when he finished, he was like, you know, glad he did. It was like one and done, and he's going to move on to other stuff. He's a big cyclocross guy. But I think... It, you yeah, I was texting with him the other day, He's and he said, yeah, about how, can, how can I get faster? How can I get faster? <laughs> That's um, the appeal to this race. It's yeah, like it's you funny. do it. In the moment, I think you often strongly dislike it, if not despise it, in the moment when you're suffering. But, yeah, it was when you finish, if it's not immediately, it's within a day or two after. You're like, oh, that was terrible, but how can I, you know, do better? I should consider coming back, you know, next year. It kind of yeah. sucks you in. <laughs> Well, we'll see if he comes back. Yeah. I mean, I was supposed to, to race this year at Leadville, but I've had this lingering injury with my IT band and um, rehabbing it well, but I certainly didn't have the fitness to go do a 100-mile race. So maybe if yeah, you do it, yeah, I still <laughs> I still have an interest in completing the race. Um, okay, and then we'll finish bragging with Ian Lee. He was also a first-timer and a devoted attendee of our base builder plan over the course of the year last yeah, year he was um, among, or this year among yeah. the most consistent i think yeah in for sure so. he was and the background with ian is with basketball so he doesn't have those years of of bike fitness that tom miser has and first year i believe mountain biking so he's done a lot of gravel racing and, and triathlon in the years past but this year he wanted to tackle the mountain biking and picked leadville as his event so yeah just an easy one to start right and that's you know no i'm really proud of him he he finished just under nine hours so he also got a a the big big belt belt buckle buckle yeah i think he was the last person under nine hours i think he was it was a fun dramatic finish we heard him say that here comes ian lee and we screamed and ran over to the yeah (laughs) (laughs) it was really fun his his children and wife got to see him finish in that um really celebratory way I I was so proud of him. He did amazing. So we'll see what he can do after another solid year of training with us. Yeah, absolutely. And then let's talk about you. You, I did the race. Yeah. yeah, It was my third go-round of it. And you've had good success in the past. I think the first year you were 701. 701 in 2015. 707, I think it was, last Last year, year. 2018. And you weren't sure how it would go this year. You had not trained the same way. Your focus this year was... Um, cross-country nationals, and you did really well. Yeah, yeah. So the goal, like you said, was cross-country nationals, and we got in, well, we signed up, both of us, uh, via the lottery back in February, thinking like, oh, we'll both, you know, we'll do it at the end of the year. You were going to do it, I was going to do it, um, along with the, the four guys we mentioned. And um, you, like you said, your injury kind of got in the way, so we sort of like wrote that one off. And then I was very focused on cross-country racing this year and was like, the training was different. I wasn't doing as many long rides as I uh, had had done in the past preparing for the race. Um, but so it became kind of this interesting experiment. Right. And it even got to the point where I was like, I don't even think I actually want to do it. And it was like Thursday before the race. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, maybe I'll do it. You changed I'm our weekend up. plans yeah. in one fell swoop. <laughs> 
Which was uh, fine. I'm really glad we went up there because I, I would have been um, sad upon hindsight missing the accomplishments of the other session yeah. six people. Definitely glad we went to do yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it just became like, okay, I'll do it because I'm already signed up and it'll be interesting just to see what, how cross-country fitness translates to kind of that ultra-marathon fitness. Well, how did it go? Um, it went pretty well to begin with. Um, the other kind of experimental piece and you probably shouldn't change too many variables at once but um i wanted to be a lot more conservative in the beginning of the race because it's such a long race inevitably everyone suffers in the last you know couple of hours um but i think the two times i've done it before i've gone too hard to kind of stick with the front group on the way out to columbine and paid for that significantly on the way back, specifically those last two hours, kind of getting over uh, Powerline and up the Carter Lake so, climb and all yeah. that. Yeah. And lost more time than I feel like I should have um, those attempts. So I wanted to come into this thinking with no pressure and really no time goals other than the one way back in the back of my head, which is to break seven hours is my ultimate goal. Um but I knew that probably was unlikely, so I had very little pressure and was like, okay, I'm going to purposely sit back over the first two climbs to land in that kind of first chase group rather than trying to really keep up with the lead group. Um, and you were. So the girls and I were waiting for you at the bottom of Powerline heading out towards Columbine. Right. And you were sitting in a group. At, like around 20. Yeah, 20, or 22nd. Yeah. And it was it was a great group. Yeah, it was a really solid group. A lot of solid riders still. And I think, if I remember correctly, we were only three, four minutes behind the lead group. So it wasn't oh, if even... That, if that, it was yeah. three. Yeah, you're right. It's, it was three or... It was like four starting combine, yeah. I think. Yeah, Which kind of like blew my mind because I, I had used much less energy and only was a small handful of minutes behind where maybe I would have been. But thinking in years past, you know, I was always struggling up columbine because the the lead group promptly drops me there because there's no way i can hang up uh keep up with them up that climb and then it became like a solo effort so my plan and strategy sort of had worked to stay with that i was among the the stronger feeling riders at the time at least um starting columbine kind of just rode up with the as i as our group kind of dwindled and then um unfortunately i started experiencing some discomfort in my right knee kind of under my kneecap and um, was just sort of like feeling that coming on and it was gradually getting worse. And, and you were probably getting worried about it. I was starting and we to get didn't worried. know. We just saw you hitting your, your yeah. time marks from our cheat sheet from last year and right. thinking, oh my God, this is the year. Right, yeah. And um, kind of just kept getting worse and worse and I made it up and down Columbine fine. But then at the, coming to the bottom, it was like I was started thinking in my head, like, do I keep going? I don't want to cause any long-term damage or, you know, injury, time off delays um, with a knee injury of some sort. And and then I kind of, like, my motivation and focus kind of faded away a little bit. Um, a couple of the guys I was still riding with in that first chase group kind of went on ahead. So um, I just kind of, like, ended up pedaling relatively easily back towards the pipeline aid station and, and the fish hatchery where I knew you guys were at and um, kind of pedaled easy, let the bulk of the group I was with kind of catch back up to me, ride with them. And the, the knee pain was not getting better. Like I was sort of magically hoping it would. And ultimately just decided to pull the plug there at the fish hatchery. Cause I didn't 
Well, one, I wasn't in the mood to suffer a <laughs> power line. Um, I don't blame you. Especially when I knew any kind of PR or anything was out the window. And more importantly, I didn't want to irritate my knee or more than I already had. So just decided to call it a day there, um, which was disappointing. Well, it was the wise move, though. Yeah, I think it was the wise move. Um, now, speaking of wise move, the unwise move... <laughs> the foolish choice. <laughs> the segue was, yeah, this silly idea I had literally the night before the race. And this is something that really most, if not all of us know... You don't change equipment the day before, the night before a big event. Um, what did you do? So all year I've been running a dropper seat post on my mountain bike. I decided I don't need the dropper seat post for Leadville and switched it back to the straight post I'd had at the very, very beginning of the season. Um, thinking, you know, that would save me 200 grams or whatever and, and that sort of thing. So... I thought I had measured everything exactly right, got the saddle in the same position, you know, relative to the handlebars in the bottom bracket, um, with now with the straight C post, what ended up happening is I did not somehow make a proper measurement. I'm still not sure how I bumbled that because I did measure everything. I wrote things down. I remeasured. I was sure it was right. Um, but it ended up, the saddle ended up being like close to a centimeter or half a centimeter taller um, than what I had been riding all year. Um, and I think ultimately that's what kind of irritated my, my knee. Right. Right. And, um, how does it feel now? Well, it feels good now off the bike. It's totally fine. We rode last Saturday, a week after Leadville and it was still a little bit after like 20 minutes of easy riding, it kind of started flaring up again. So we, you know, I made sure not to irritate it anymore um, been to the PTs, um, our neighboring PT Cascade Physical Therapy next to Session 6 in Lakewood. Um, I had a visit with them yesterday, and they went kind of through some diagnostic things, and it just, things are just kind of irritated, and I just need to let it. Well, I'm glad nothing's permanently wrong with yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think anything's permanently wrong, and, um, I'll be back at it soon, but, um, just frustrating nonetheless. It right, would have been right. fun to, one, finish the, finish Leadville, but, you know, that's the way it goes sometimes, and. Um, lesson learned, I hope. Yeah, lesson learned, and um, yeah, definitely <laughs> lesson learned. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, good. Well, let's. Uh, so, congrats to everyone that did Leadville. We, we we speak of Leadville because one, it's a very iconic race that a lot of people have heard of, if not participated in, and um, it's just kind of a it's a fun event. And many of our athletes, being kind of more mountain bike focused, I suppose, tend to want to participate in that event and other events similar to it, you know, uh, some of the longer gravel races and things. Um, and it's just fun to see people improving each year and kind of what our base builder program kind of helps them accomplish. So with that, we'll segue to kind of the main aspect of our um, episode today, which is our upcoming 2020 base builder program. Um, this is going to be actually be our 15th anniversary of the program. So that's really exciting. I've been doing this for 14 years leading up to this, um, in some form or another, it's taken on very different durations and, and formats and locations over the years. And, um, and you continually evolves, yeah. I think is the way. Every year you've evaluated what worked really well and, um, made improvements, I think, every year on 
presenting the program to the group. Yeah, I think so, and hope so. Um, and it was about four years ago we introduced the strength training component alongside the cycling component. Prior to that, it was just a trainer workout series, essentially. Um, but I think really adding that strength training piece combined with um, the cycling on different days, but combined it as a weekly program, has done so much for so many people, I think ourselves included. Um, and, you know, has really allowed us to figure out a way to create a really solid base. For sure. It's more of a comprehensive program than we ever imagined it could be. Um, I think definitely think I've become a stronger cyclist because of the focus strength training over the past several years, and I think you'd agree too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so what we want to do for the next several minutes here is just kind of run through the, the concept of base building, how it sort of applies to our base builder program that we, we do, um, you know, one to maybe entice you to consider joining us for it, whether it be in-house or remotely. Or um, at the very least, give you just some basic concepts that, you know, even if you're going to write your own program or do your own base training program over the winter months, that, you know, these might give you some ideas on how to do that. So um, so I guess we'll get going. So um, on-bike training. So, so basically, we, we separate the, the training on-bike and off-bike. So on-bike is obviously on the bike. Now, that can be on the trainer. That can be outside or a mixture of the two. And then we have off-bike training, which this refers to the gym strength training, so lifting weights and, and various movements in the gym. So I'll quickly kind of run through like our on-bike concept of how we sort of do the base building, and then um, and then I'll have you, Kathy, talk a lot or more on the uh, kind of the off-bike, right, the good. gym stuff, because that's kind of your domain. So so on-bike. Um, for our base builder, we follow a very much like a, a block periodization model, um, and the idea behind that is we want to address all six of the primary energy systems we have as endurance athletes, as cyclists, over the course of the duration of your base period. Um, now, the duration of a person's base period can have, you know, different... Um, durations, different meanings, depending on what you're training for, you know, when your season ends, when your next season starts, that sort of thing. Um, but with our base builder program, we found kind of settling into about a six month window of time, um, to really build this like nice extensive, uh, base for the following season. Now within that, you can still participate in like a cyclocross season. if that's has importance to you, um, you can, you know, do other racing strategies, but really that base season kind of starts end of summer, fall, and runs through right up until like early, end of winter, early spring, I would say, when most people um, get hot and heavy into the racing program. Um, so <clears throat> our program is, is uh, this year being divided into three eight-week training blocks, and within those three eight-week training blocks, we're addressing all six of kind of the primary energy systems. So those six energy systems are aerobic endurance, being kind of on the low end, um, then moving up to aerobic threshold, which is that kind of balance between uh, when you're metabolizing fat and sugar at a very close relationship, sort of the top end of your still fat burning um, aerobic energy system. And then the third one is your anaerobic threshold, which is similar to um, 
are also known as your uh, lactate threshold. Um, people that train with like FTP would fall in there somewhere. Um, and then moving up the ladder again to VO2 max energy system, and then anaerobic power energy system, and then kind of the top of the energy system chain for on-bike training is that peak power sprint um, capacity there. <clears throat> so you have these six energy systems, and it, we have found over the years it works really well just to kind of work through all six of those in different mm -hmm. durations over the course of your base period. Um, so the way we're doing that um, this year is the first block of training is going to focus about eight weeks on that aerobic endurance block. This also allows kind of a window of time to do some cyclocross racing um, on the weekends. Um, also still enjoy riding outside. You don't have to get on the trainer just yet. Um, you know, fall, early fall is a great time of the year, especially here in Colorado, to ride outside. So you can just kind of get back and have fun with riding in that um, eight weeks of aerobic endurance riding. And then our second block, eight weeks, that's when we start taking things here locally inside um, and doing focusing. When you go inside, you need to get your workout a little more structured. Right. Um, Otherwise, it'll drag on. Yeah. You can't just pedal, in my opinion, pedal away um, kind of mindlessly on the trainer. You want to structure you can do that with intervals, so kind of tightening things up, focusing on that aerobic threshold energy system for about eight weeks, and that can be done inside or outside. Um, our in-house program obviously is in-house, inside. Um, and then the third block is where we kind of get more into the high-intensity training and move in two-week kind of mini blocks within the eight weeks through anaerobic threshold, VO2 max, anaerobic power, um, over the course of those uh, eight weeks. <clears throat> so the idea behind it all is it's a progressive buildup in, of intensity um, as you work from fall to spring. So when spring comes around, you're, you, you've got this great base. Um, and you're really ready to start racing and then get specific into whatever your goal races are for, for the next season with your training program specific to that. Well, let me interject for a moment here. Sure. You you referenced three blocks of training mm -hmm. because you are referring to the on-bike training, but our entire base builder yeah. program is four blocks, and I, I didn't want to... Right. So the fourth block is, um, which I haven't really mentioned yet, is getting into the race prep. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Differentiating yeah, the race prep. Oh, race prep. Okay. Sort of confusing. Yeah. So the fourth block of the program for our in-house athletes will then incorporate, because now it's early, late winter, early spring... Uh, we'll incorporate the race prep training, and that's where we'll switch a little bit. Um, right, the focus of how we're doing the workouts. Yeah, okay. and the days of the week and things like that. So so really it's it's three eight-week blocks of base training, and then that fourth block for our in-house athletes is getting into the race prep. Okay. Yeah. That Just wanted to make sure. No, that was good. That wasn't that clear. Um, so, yeah, so the, the whole build-up, the whole block periodization model is – the idea behind it is you begin very easy, very low intensity on the bike and gradually build up as you move through those higher and higher intensity um, energy systems, build up, um, working harder, putting out more power. The intervals then become shorter. You get more of them. You get more recovery between them because they're getting higher power. And that's kind of the overall flow of the, of the program. Uh, we found over the years that it's just very... This method is very effective in building fitness, 
And it's also very motivating because you start at that low intensity and you gradually work to higher intensity and through the testing that we do within the program and identifying the different power levels and energy that correspond to the energy systems, um, everything's very precise. And that's one of the beauties of being indoors on a trainer, um, especially a smart trainer with the power and everything, that as you progress and move through, it's very motivating and you're like ready to move on to the next block physically and mentally. And it just kind of keeps you going um, and progressing as you go. So, And we'll do a whole podcast on the training protocols or the testing protocols. So we won't elaborate on that now, yeah. but I will agree with you that it's very motivating um, to see improvement as you go through the weeks that your, um, your, your, your numbers are going up and your, your heart rate's becoming um, yeah. str- lower as you put out more watts. Yes, as you become more aerobically fit, exactly. It's really fun. Yeah, so it's very measurable progressive so kind of a good takeaway is just having your base build your base program um, be very progressive in nature you know spending a good chunk of time the first half maybe at some low intensities riding easily number one you want to refresh your mind mentally and and find that enjoyment of riding outside Um, and then gradually kind of ratchet things up as you move through the winter months and get closer and closer to the next racing season um, works really seems to work really well for us, and has worked well over the last several years. Um, so that's that's kind of the on bike um, formula, I guess, that we follow. Um, let's talk a little bit about the off bike or the gym work because that's been the big piece that um, has been really. We've seen a lot of gains made across the board with everybody, um, kind of supplementing or complementing the bike training with the gym training. Um, so the gym training um, is very cycling specific. So the strength training that we follow is for cyclists. It's not going to make you... Um, the, the goal, the intention isn't to make you a bodybuilder, a big bulky person, right? It's to make you better at pedaling your bike and also... Um, more resistant to fatigue on the bike. So having your developing your muscle fibers to last longer for endurance events and then kind of simultaneously makes you more durable. Right, in case injury. you were to fall. In case you were to fall. <laughs> right. or, yeah, or even overuse injuries, exactly. Right. Um, so more resistance to fatigue and injury, um, both. Um, so we've developed... Well, why don't... I'll let you talk about kind of how the strength session layout. Kind of late, right, kind right. Of so, out. in the in our gym sessions, we are there for one hour, um, and the, the hour follows a basic formula every time, but with different movements mixed in there for variety and 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 fun. It always starts with what we call movement prep, and that's five or ten minutes of gentle movements. It could be things on the floor um, like scorpion or other movements to loosen up the low back. Or we could be doing some, you know, yoga type moves to just open up everything. A lot of people have been sitting at desks all day or, you know, stiff and sore because we're, most of us are in our 30s and 40s and 50s and we can't just jump into <laughs> throwing weights around. Right. So it's it's like at the, the transition into what we're going to do next. Um, then we flow into our core set, which is another 10 or 15 minutes. That is an extended warm up, so to speak, where we're activating muscles that we need 
to support the the big movements we're going to do in our strength set. So we're waking up all the supporting muscles around our joints. Um, and we, we, we have fun with those movements. We have a huge list of of core movements for variety. And so we're doing things like planks and glute bridges and monster walks and shoulder movements on our crossover symmetry set. Um, we use physio balls and, and different things yeah. to work on balance and, and basic core strength. And it's just fun. So we, we move through those for 10 or 15 minutes. We're, we're feeling more warmed up after that. Then we move into what we call our push-pull set. And there's a variety there with push-ups and ring rows and pull-ups, high pulls, bent over rows, et cetera, et cetera. And, and push-pull is a nice complement to cycling specific strength um, so that we're not just focused on the lower half of the body that's pedaling the bike, but we're thinking about the whole body as a dynamic a dynamic force on the bike that you are pulling on, pulling and pushing on your handlebars as you're road cycling or mountain biking. Absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. we don't just have scrawny chicken arms too right (laughs) (laughs) um and that only lasts the push-pull set's pretty short five or ten minutes and then we're good and ready to tackle our our main strength set and that always involves a type of squat and a type of hip hinge movement so let's just stick with the basics we will focus one day on a back squat a weighted barbell back squat and the other day of the week we'll focus on a weighted barbell deadlift um and we focus a lot on technique. Like our first block of training, we'll focus mostly on lighter weights, uh, form and yeah, form and focus. We'll, we won't even jump right into barbells. We'll use kettlebells and um, and dumbbells to remind our bodies what is a proper squat and remind our muscles we're getting ready to lift loads. And I don't want people limping around the next day um, and not wanting to come back to the gym. Right. We're going to ease into it. And I think that's really important for, for everyone, whether you've lifted weights recently um this year or you're maybe new or it's been a long long time since you've lifted weights that period of coming in and kind of learning the movements and adapting to the loading and ideally minimizing the soreness like you mentioned because that does happen the first couple of weeks kind of working through that and um, kind of just sets you up for a good foundation for what's ahead yeah and then at the end of the strength at the end of the hour long session we usually have an extra 10 or 15 minutes and we'll do what we call power set. And at first it's going to be very minimal. Some, some squat jumps, some broad jumps, some, some other things with boxes, nothing too crazy. Our bodies aren't quite ready for that. As we progress through the the winter months, we'll become a little bit more, um, aggressive is not quite the right word, but, but adding more of the plyometrics and we can get into that later. Um, and then at the very end of the session, we'll spend five to 10 minutes foam rolling, stretching, um, doing the things that you know you should do, but you don't have time when you get home. And just sometimes focusing on one one body part, like our hip flexors or our, our glutes. But if we have extra time, we'll do a full body uh, mobility session yeah. so that people leave the gym feeling much better than when they arrived. Right, and working on the opening things up. And... Opening things up, yeah. We're you know hunched over, flexed over on our, our bikes or our computers for work, and we need to open up the opposite direction right. at the end of a strength session. Yeah, I think that's really valuable for the kind of the injury-resistant piece, for sure, is that final mobility. Yeah, and mostly that I just want to say that the focus at, in our gym sessions is – is not about how heavy you can lift, even though we will lift heavy, but it is about proper mechanics and form over 
anything else. Like we do not want anyone to get hurt. And we know this is very new for a lot of people that are coming through our doors. Right. Because again, to reiterate, it's like the strength programming isn't designed to necessarily make you a, a big, strong person. It's to make you a better cyclist. Right. And in general, cyclists aren't big, strong people. Um, so these movements are very specific to that. And, and uh, big and st- well, strong is relative to the person's body, really. Because what I can lift is a lot less than even my daughter Sophia because she's built differently than I am. Right, right. But I like feeling like I become stronger and I know that I become stronger by my numbers on the bike. Well, I think you just nailed it right there. The goal is for the individual to become stronger. Yeah. With the strength program and, um, and the, the, the programming and progression is designed around that to graduate. Right. Make exactly. Stronger. We have fancy spreadsheets and everything. Yeah. And, um, I think, I think that was a good, um, synopsis of, of the individual training sessions. And so, um, the periodization of the entire program then is very much the, the, the first eight weeks or that first block is about learning the movements, adapting to the movements, adapting to the, to the loads, and then gradually working up and figuring out kind of where your current level of strength is. Um, and then from there you, you progress into building um, towards a peak strength movement. So now, so in the first block, you figure out, okay, here's where my strength fitness is. The The second block, then you are going to work to improve that strength um, ability. And then in the third block, we move more towards like the stability um, development and like power development. Right. A lot of plyometrics in yeah. that last, that th- th- the third block. Right. So as we move closer to the racing season, the work we do in the gym becomes more more specific towards cycling um, after we've already built up a good base of strength in the gym. Um, the other really great thing, I'll say, <laughs> I think is a great thing, is that we've figured out how to kind of make the on-bike training and the off-bike training work together really well um, because it's really difficult to work two different spectrums of, of fitness, like endurance, i.e. on the bike, and strength and power i.e. in the gym at the same time so the way the program is kind of set up and the way you should set up base training or at least think about base training is when you're doing your easiest lowest intensity cycling early on is when you can put more emphasis and effort and focus on the like progressively heavier strength training and, and get more of the stress from the strength training then as you go through your base season your the stress gradually increases on the bike so the stress needs to gradually decrease off the bike in the gym and that's why we so they kind of it's sort of inverse yeah they complement each other complementing each other exactly and we've just sort of figured out in our opinion kind of the smoothest and best way to integrate the two to make that work Um, so that's kind of the overall programming behind that and um, so basically in a nutshell it's like the bike starts low intensity and gradually builds to high intensity. The strength, although it starts very easy, it you build up towards higher intensity, I guess, higher lifting loads um, early on, and then it starts to back down to getting lighter and focused more on stability and quick movements as your bike training ramps up. And so, then into maintenance as you're preparing for, for races. Exactly, and then when we switch into that race prep mode in spring, 
strength training takes a big step back. It does stay in there. Um, we prefer everyone to keep strength training all year round. But it, yeah, more of a maintenance mode to maintain the strength gains you've made because now you're getting into racing and and um, specific race prep training in spring. So it all kind of comes together that way. Um, good. Well, I think we kind of covered like the, the, the big picture, you know, the 10,000 foot view of, of kind of base building and how we kind of run things. Um, I want to run through just real somewhat quickly here each specific block um, just so you get maybe even a little bit more of an idea of what how the progression works I suppose so um, so our base builder program begins with block one on August 26 which as of this recording is next week um, it's a little earlier than we've done in the past but our thought behind it is that we want to extend the um, kind of that adaptation phase of the strength training and allow more time to learn the proper movements and make a longer, slower, more gradual progression in the in sort of building that strength foundation. Where in years past, I felt like we had to kind of rush things slightly. We did. Um, when we started um, later, like really in fall, um, yeah, I felt like... And we sort of jumped into heavier than I felt comfortable getting everyone into right from the start. Yeah, and I think it worked well for people that had recently lifted weights right. within the year, but taking any complete newbie, it just, yeah, the ramp rate was a little too aggressive. So to sort of help with that starting earlier, so this first block, the way we've designed it is it's going to be focused on two strength sessions a week, allowing for eight weeks of like focused strength work building up gradually. Um, and then not focusing a whole lot on the bike training. And the bike training done is kind of more of that classic low-intensity aerobic base miles. Well, it's still going to be gorgeous in September and October exactly. in Colorado. And that's how I think it works well together. It's my favorite time of year to ride outside. It's not quite so hot, but yet it's still very lovely. And uh, as we always say, it's the best time to reconnect with friends that you may not have seen all summer because you were pretty focused on your interval sessions and you couldn't just go ride for fun and now you can go check out places like Staunton State Park and you know other places that you haven't maybe had time to go do because you're on a very determined interval plan right so it's the time of year to kind of slow down essentially because now you're going to transition into like the next off season um and it's time to yeah slow down on the bike we're going to build up in the gym and um, keep things real low intensity, real aerobic. With that said, if you are um, a local athlete in Denver and you're thinking, well, slow down, wait, I'm going to do cyclocross. This does not interfere with cyclocross. I think it's going to be a good complement to it. And schedule-wise, we try to be very respectful of what's happening in our area. There's a great uh, Wednesday night series in September, a cyclocross series called Back to Basics. So our strength sessions in the gym, if you're an in-house athlete, will be on Monday and Thursdays so that whoever wants to can be a part of the Back to Basics Wednesday night cyclocross races. I'm hoping to be a part of that as well. Therefore, I didn't want to be coaching in the gym on a Wednesday night. So um, we can still be fast in the cyclocross races, but the other the other rides should be just slow and, and fun. Exactly. Yeah. And the, the programming, so when you join the our program... Um, the strength workouts obviously are provided, and then the outdoor aerobic rides are on your training peaks calendar. Um, 
and with suggested uh, rides throughout the week. And I do have one ride a week where um, it's a great idea to to push the pace a little bit. Um, You don't have to do everything slow, like Kathy said. So that can be a cyclocross race or a group ride. Or if you're a road biker and you want to get into mountain biking just for, you know, this time of year, that's the perfect time to go push yourself on the mountain bike a little bit. So, yeah, keeping, you know, one day a week on the bike where you get the heart rate up a little bit is is certainly good. Um, While you kind of do the rest of your riding super low key and then start working on that strength development um, in the gym. So that eight-week block, block one, um, begins the last week of August, runs through October 20th. Um, And we'll talk more about the details with each podcast each week here um, about what kind of the weekly goals should be within that. Um, But the nutshell of the block one is this thinking about getting back to riding for fun, focusing more on endurance, low intensity with that maybe once a week race or group ride or something, cross race um, in there. And just really kind of building that classic low-intensity base while you introduce the strength training um, back into your program. Um, Then the second block, after... Then we have a week off. Yeah, there's a week off um, in between each block. Block two then starts the uh, essentially November, October 28th, Monday, October 28th, um, and runs right up to the Christmas holiday. Um, Last day, I think, being December 22nd. Um, and this is where um, our in-house program takes the bike indoors. So we'll add two days a week um, on the trainers along with the two days a week we've already established in the gym. Um, for those following the remote program or kind of doing this on their own, you don't have to be on trainers um, at this point. You can do a lot of very adaptable workouts to taking them outside um, and continuing kind of that aerobic base of um of uh, aerobic threshold training becomes kind of the primary energy system. Cody, I think we failed to mention how does a remote participant get their workouts? Yeah, so our, all the workouts are delivered via Training Peaks. So if you're not familiar with Training Peaks, it's an online um, training platform that you subscribe to. Um, the basic accounts are free, and we can we set people up, our remote people up with the. The free accounts, the, the the whole program is on a calendar, essentially, and you can see each day's workouts on that calendar and um, kind of download the various attachments that explain the workouts. But Training Peaks is what we use to deliver the program and then um, hopefully encourage users then to upload their workouts and keep track of their um, progress as well on the Training Peaks. Is All right, that, yeah, it's a, that, it's an easy-to-use program. And it's um, also wonderful to track what you've been doing. So you see in a nutshell how, how your training is going. Yeah, exactly. So back to block two. Um, remote, we're inside on the trainers, um, in-house. Uh, what we do in this period is, we, like I said, we work on aerobic threshold. So we get start getting some structured intervals, but it's still kind of that lower heart rate, um, kind of low to moderate heart rate. Um, and building, continuing to build that like aerobic piece of the base before we get into the high intensity. And stuff. the focus is based on heart rate versus the power numbers. Very much so. Yeah. This first, well, the first two blocks, block one and block two, we focus more on heart rate as like the training metric, and then look at power of how it responds to the work that we're doing. So we go ride at X heart rate, 
and you want to, over time, see higher and higher power outputs, essentially. Um, as opposed to, in block three, we'll train more by power and then look at the heart rate response. Um, because when we're building a low-intensity base, um, it's it's no fun to kind of try to keep your power in a certain place. It's easier and better, I think, to focus on heart rate um, that way. And then we also introduce pedaling skills. So mm, um, The classic ILTs. Yeah, ILTs and high-cadence drills are incorporated in there, pre- predominantly as part of the warm-up on the trainer uh, before we get into the aerobic threshold intervals. But, um, you know, I think a lot of riders need additional help on developing that pedaling capability. The cadences, the the single leg pedaling is great on a trainer. Um, and so we do quite a bit of that for those eight weeks of block two. And then in the gym, um, we, we've kind of set the base in block one, the foundation, and now it's time to build some strength. So we're following that same workout prescription, Kathy spoke about, that, that you spoke about earlier mm-hmm. um, but the loading starts to get heavier the rep counts get fewer um, as that stress level kind of goes up in in the gym um, so again stress level goes up in the gym but stress level on the bike is still relatively low um, as we do that so kind of the two work together um, then there's a two-week break through kind of the Christmas holiday and New Year holiday and then we come back there are some workouts suggestions to do but if it's you kind of have a lot of flexibility through that time. And then we come back with block three, um, the first full week of January, January 6th, um, for the another eight weeks. And now is when we get more power-based focused on the bike um, with some higher intensity training. And <clears throat> we switch to progressing in these two-week mini blocks. So there'll be four two-week mini blocks within this eight-week block three. And each two weeks, you'll basically you get four workouts in um, four different energy systems, progressing from moderate to high. Um, and those are the, we actually separate the anaerobic threshold low and high, so kind of your your roughly your hour power capabilities. And we figure this out through testing. Um, and we do some intervals, some fairly lengthy intervals around that sustainable one hour power um, for the first two-week mini block, and then we narrow it down to the top end of anaerobic threshold, lactate threshold, um, um, doing some intervals around your 32-minute power. Um, and then the the next little mini block focuses on VO2 max, and that gets us training kind of the 16 to 8-minute power um, effort. So we're getting pretty high intensity at this point. Um, and then the final two weeks is our anaerobic power, and now we're doing focusing on that like one to four minute power duration, breaking them into intervals. Um, so as you can see, the power output gradually gets higher and higher as you go. Um, the interval structures obviously change as we change energy systems. They get shorter and more of them and um, more recovery and whatnot in between. And so it's just a, a really well-laid-out, progressive build of, of intensity, and that takes you right up through the month of February. Um, and then in the gym, um, because the power on the bike is getting more demanding, the gym takes a half a step back. It's less demanding. We lower the weights. We focus more on stability training. Um, yeah, one-legged kettlebell deadlifts or single-leg squats. Yes. And, yeah, mixing it up a little bit, but still 
still very valuable, very cycling specific, actually, with those one-legged movements. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the way I look at it is the weight, the loading comes way down, the weight comes down, but then we make it challenging by creating some sort of unstable environment, right? Like you said, if we're lifting some sort of weight on one leg or with one arm instead of two arms or, um, yeah, what, what are some of the other, like, ding, you know, we got a lot of tricks up our sleeves to make things. <laughs> um, a lot of tricks. A lot to, of tricks. To work on that stability piece. And th- these are really fun uh, bits of strength training that I actually really enjoy. And then we also started introducing higher levels of power training, meaning quick explosive movements in the gym um, with relatively lightweight or sometimes no weight. And um, kind of translating that strength base we built in um, block two now into quick movements. Um, and unstable movements kind of getting closer to cycling season. So we're replicating movements, for, you know, that go more with uh, cycling. Um, and then, so let's see, that would, like I said, take us through February, the end of February. Um, generally speaking, come March, people are definitely starting to think about getting outside more, racing. Um, and that kind of concludes the base builder phase of the year. And now people are ready then to think about what is their A race coming up, you know, and making their training more specific around the, the A race that they have coming up in the future. Um, so that would take on a different look for someone training for criteriums versus someone training for Dirty Kanza, right? So those are two drastic difference. You have a, you know, 45 minute to one hour, you know, all out intensity race in a crit versus, you know, a multi-multi-hour, steady-state, low-intensity effort for an ultra-marathon-type event like Dirty Kanza or, or some sort of century or whatever. Um, <clears throat> and so then it takes into the race prep mode. So um, for our in-house athletes, just to kind of wrap this up, our in-house athletes we've added this year as part of the program um, the a race prep block that's very general, meaning... It'll kind of work for anyone training for anything, uh, but maybe not as specific um, as everyone might want. Um, so for our remote athletes, that race prep block then, um, if they choose to continue, uh, we have different training programs that can target the specific demands of their events. So if they're training for a crit or they're training for ultra marathon or cross-country mountain bike, whatever it is, um, we have the race prep programs that would kind of slot in there and... Um, kind of get them to peak for their upcoming race. And what does it look like for the in-house block four? Block four for in-house, yeah, we'll switch to um, just one day a week trainer workouts, one day a week strength because it's maintenance strength at this point. Um, And then on the trainer, um, we work, we actually finish in the first two weeks of the race prep, we finish with peak power. So we finish things off with the sprint work that we've kind of escalated up to, to. And then once we've kind of hit that peak energy system of, of sprinting, you know, that five, 10 second power, then we start working back down the energy system chain, so to speak, going back through anaerobic power, VO2 max, anaerobic threshold. Um, and then you're essentially kind of ready to target uh, kind of whatever event or race that comes your way at that point. Um, so the race prep program, like I said, for in-house athletes is very general and will work for most. Um, but if they want to get more specific or our remote base builder followers want to get more specific, we have the race prep plans at that point. 
um, that would be available. Um, yeah, so I think that kind of covers the overview. Um, I mean, I feel like this was kind of one big commercial, so to speak, for our base builder program, but we wanted to sneak this in there um, just to lay some background info for people so they know what we're talking about in the coming weeks ahead. Um, if this sounds like something you want to be a part of, our base builder program, our 15th anniversary base builder program, we have a few spots left in-house. Um, we have a on the cycling side of things, we have a noon class, a 4.30 class, and a 6.15 class on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And again, that starts October 28th, so we're still a little ways from getting on the trainers. Um, but we have a couple of spots left in each of those class times. Um, and then the corresponding strengths are on the opposing days at noon or 6 p.m. Um, and then anyone interested in the remote program, if you don't live nearby or the times don't work or you live out of state or whatever the case may be, um, our, you can sign up for our remote base builder program online at endurance.session6.com. And the, the link is in the show notes. Um, and you can sign up and it's 399 bucks for the entire six-month program um, that takes you through um, all of those energy systems, all of the strength progressions we just kind of ran through. And each week, well, our podcast, a, a good portion of our podcast will kind of address the goals of the training for that week, um, of kind of what you're doing in the gym, what you're going to be doing on the bike, and then we'll throw in some additional, hopefully interesting information. And um, We also banter. have a YouTube channel that will give videos on the cycling drills and the core movements and the strength lifts so that someone falling from home doesn't, uh, they feel like they're being educated as well. Yeah, good point. I tend to forget about that. Yeah, so we put that together last year, the YouTube channel. Oh, yeah. It's, it's got everything. <laughs> it has a lot for our viewers at home. Yeah, so um, when you're looking through like the strength training spreadsheet and you're on your own and you don't know exactly what you know a single leg Romanian deadlift should look like, you can find the video on our YouTube channel, um, which is session six. Uh I think it just search for session six. I can't remember if it's, it should be it. Um, I'll put it in the show notes and then, yeah, you can see all the movements, everything we've got in the gym weightlifting spreadsheet. And then like Kathy said, the bike interval stuff as well, um, covered in there. So we'll leave it at that. Um, next episode, episode five, we're going to, that'll come out on Friday. So our goal is every Friday to release the next podcast. That's going to talk about the coming week of training in the program. And um, again, it's really designed around people following our, our base builder program, but hopefully, you know, there'll also be some takeaways if you're not following our program that you can implement into your own base training um, through the fall and winter months. And um, our next one, we'll dive into more specifically the starting up the strength training. So whether, you know, you did strength training last winter and it's been, you didn't do much through the summer, how to get started, as well as if you've maybe never done strength training um, and that, and we'll kind of get into the nuances of that, um, along with some other helpful information, hopefully. So, um, anything else? No. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back at you next week.